Gospel of Matthew this morning, chapter 11. We'll read in just a few moments our text, verses 28, verse 29, and verse 30. Welcome, welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And my day got a little greater when I saw Colton Monti lean forward and smile really big to me and wave. Uh, Brian and Rachel and Colton and Joshua, welcome home. It is wonderful to have you here. We love you. We are praying for you. And there's some things downstairs that are piling up for you. Make sure you take them or we'll load up your car uh, today. We need to pray. We need to direct our attention to the Lord this morning. He has a word for each of us, a promise for us that I believe is timely and necessary in the day that we are living in. Would you bow your heads and pray? Father, we come as your children. We come, Lord, understanding what is at stake whenever your word is opened. We know, Lord, that we are now stewards of this time. We're stewards, Lord, of the word that we are about to hear. And I would ask, Lord, that we would handle this with great care, that we would not check off a box that we did this on the first day of July and we're good to go. Father, but we begin with our heads bowed, knowing, Lord, that you alone are the one who calls the shots, that we are submissive to your authority. Father, we too often try to work and worm our way to the front and and try to tell you what we're going to be doing and how wrong, how wrong is that? Lord, help us to be encouraged today by the promise to come to you and what you offer for us. Father, I I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you, Lord, for this church and for, for decades now, the fact that it has been founded only and exclusively on the message of the gospel. And God, I would ask that, that, that that would be the same today, that your words would be heard. My words would be yours and yours alone. Father, please give me the help that is, is, desperately need it. God, I would ask that you um, you would be pleased with this time. We ask this in strong and powerful, wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. We've been looking um, in this little church study called Ecclesia at the promises that the Lord gives to us as a local church. Uh, Promises that clarify very specifically our purpose. Uh, promises that give us power, not only into our, own, into our own lives, but into the ministry that God has called us to right here today, this day as a local church, Big Woods Bible Church, living in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania in 2018. And, and there is so much, there is so much to give God praise 
for Jesus. What gives promises? He says that I will build my church. Jesus said that I will come to you. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I will give you words and wisdom. And as we saw Matt preached so effectively last week, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Amazing, timely promises for us. One of the things that Matt said last week, it was a delight to be away and we were sitting on a porch overlooking a lake and and Matt said this, he said, sometimes Sunday mornings is a really weird time. And, And I would have to agree with him on that. We kind of breeze by one another. How are you doing? It's good to see you. Doing all right? Good, good. So am I. And we kind of just wash those words away. Today, this morning, we're going to pause on that. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our souls. And we're going to ask this question, how are you doing? How is your soul really doing? We need to be reminded of a promise this morning that God gives that I believe is, is going to soothe our souls and strengthen our hearts and and our minds and Lord willing even our bodies. It is so needed today. Follow with me as I read Matthew chapter eleven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. Jesus says this and I quote Come, come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, it's, It's not a secret that many of us are facing a problem in our life. Whether or not it's just, it's just mental frustration, whether or not it's physical exhaustion, our souls get weary. And every single one of us have been there. Some of you are there at this very moment. Sometimes we can point to a reason or a factor for the way that we feel. Sometimes we look back and we say it's, it's our past. It's our past struggles or our past sins or, or maybe it's the hectic schedule that we have or a physical sickness or illness. We're under some kind of stress or strain or pain. There's something that has caused worry. And as a result of that worry, we get depressed or discouraged and we're in a sense of darkness. And it's kind of like a weight, a weight that is pressing on us or crushing on us. And, and yet sometimes we really can't even point to a reason. What's wrong? I don't really know. There's just a problem. It's just, it's just there. It's endless. It's senseless. A pain that is pressing and there seems to be no way of solving it. There's no solution. There's no way to escape. We know that there's a problem in many people's lives and many people have an attempted solution to that problem. What do we do? We just oftentimes just want to escape. We want to hide. We try to hide. We really do. We, we cope by, by pulling the shades down and, and pulling the blankets 
up. We put our phones on silent and we just close our eyes and we try to close out the world. Some people put earbuds in and listen to music or, or earplugs in and listen to nothing. People just want to sleep it away and they'll try to escape that way or people will eat or people will binge watch TV or play video games. People will read or pray or sing or cry. Or people will do all of the above. Others will try to, to do something to help them forget the problem or ignore the problem or escape the problem. They do it oftentimes by drinking something. Let's just, let's just, let's just blank out. We're smoking something or, or snorting something or shooting something that makes them feel good just for a moment to forget about the problem and the pain for a while. It comes back. Others will indulge into a very dark fantasy world of porn or engage in unhealthy relationships with anyone just, just to feel that they're loved, even if it's just for a moment. But all those things do are just, it's a a temporary escape for a moment. Then the problem and the pain surfaces again. And this time it's it's bigger and it's better than it was before. You ever wonder, like, how do I I get off this ride? How do I I stop this spinning cycle? How do I get help? A number of years ago, Wendy and I were teenagers and dating and Impressed her with a date to the county fair. Oh, what a way to impress your girl. And I saved up some money. We bought a couple tickets. And we bought tickets for the spinning swings. There was a limited number of rides. So, so we paid the guy. And he was a little shady looking. But we paid the guy our tickets with the spinning swings. We got on there. We noticed, like, we're the only ones on this. Huh. And we started, and after a minute or two, we're like, this is so cool, and like, aren't you impressed with me? And then what we noticed is that the guy who, who was responsible for our ride kind of got distracted because the good-looking girl was there, and he started talking to this good-looking girl, and he forgot about us on the swings. And, and what was fun for two or three or four minutes, all of a sudden became, get me off this. Just once in a while, it would, we'd come around like, hey, please. Don't forget us. And it was like 10, 15, 20 minutes, and our eyes are just like bursting. You ever feel like that with life? Like, just get me off this thing. There is, there is an actual solution. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that we would all feel like that. Matthew chapter 11 opens with Jesus moving from a very quiet, it's an intimate teaching moment with his disciples, and he moves to a larger public ministry. It says that he was teaching and preaching in the cities. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 11 opens up. And, and some would say that Jesus' tone is really not that pleasant or kind here. Matter of fact, by the time you get to, to verse 20, it says he began to denounce the cities because they would not or did not repent. And he says, woe to you, Chorazin, and Bethsaida, and Capernaum, woe to you. It is what? It is a warning of imminent judgment unless you turn, unless you repent. But then as we work our way further down Matthew chapter 
11, by the time we get to verse 28, there's a, there's a tonal change that, that Jesus is not rebuking and he's not warning. But there is what? There is a sense that he leans in and he speaks to his listeners because he knows exactly how they are feeling, how they are hurting. And this text here before us this morning is known throughout scripture as one of the most loving and gentle and kind, concerned and compassionate appeals that Jesus makes in all of scripture. What do we see here? Number one, Jesus invites. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. This is an invitation. One of my jobs every day is to get the mail. I still get thrilled with the mail. And I love when we receive in the mail, and you can tell it's a card. It's not junk mail, which most of it's junk mail, but once in a while we get a card, and that card is an invitation. And I love to get invitation. You better, you better what? You better shine up your shoes because somebody's got something good to celebrate. It's a graduation. It's a wedding, a baby's born, or it's a surprise birthday. That is, that is exactly what Jesus is doing when he says what? Come to me. This is an invitation, but this is more than an invitation. This is an invitation with a promise. Ever received an invitation, went to a party, and the party was like an absolute. What do, you, what do I say? How do I say it? It's a bomb. Like, I, 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 I shine my shoes for this. And this is it? Like, it's just cracker and dip, that's it? Like, like, like Jesus invites, but he invites with a promise. When Jesus says, come to me, he is also saying, what? Do not go anywhere else. When Jesus says, come to me, he says, do not go to anyone else because there is nothing and there is no one that will satisfy your soul like I can and like I will. Come to me. It, it almost sounds too simple, doesn't it? It, it sounds too easy. It is so different from the secular approach. How many lists are out there? Eight simple steps to stress-free living. Or as I read this week, 16 simple ways to relieve stress and anxiety. According to Carrie Ann Jennings, she writes this, 70% of adults in the United States say that they feel stress or anxiety every single day. That's seven out of 10 people are saying, you know what? I'm not just burdened, okay? I feel anxiety and stress. Thankfully, Carrie Ann Jennings gives us 16 little helpful bits, tidbits of advice that we can do. Number one is exercise. That's like a really good idea. I would encourage that. She also says, consider some supplements like lemon balm, or omega-3 fatty acids, or green tea. Helpful, that's good stuff. Drink the green tea. But yet there's more that she wants us to do. Light a candle, and it has to be lavender or rose. Like the vanilla one that I have, it's not going to cut it. Because lavender or rose, take care of the stress. Reduce your caffeine intake. Like that's a really, really good idea. I would vote for that one. Write it down. 
I'm not sure what we're writing down, but just write something down. This is my favorite number six way to, we, to reduce stress is chew gum. I do that too. Spend time with friends and family. This is like good information. Laugh. Learn to say no. Avoid procrastination. Take a yoga class. Practice mindfulness. Cuddle. Listen to soothing music. Breathe deep. Spend time with your pet. Now, this is all, this is like really, really helpful stuff. But to me, like this is 16 things that we got to do as opposed to Jesus says this. What? Just come to me. You don't have to spend time with Bobo the Poodle. Just spend time with me. It is so simple. Certainly different than the secular approach and certainly different than the religious approach. The fourfold pan path to, to peace-giving enlightenment that, that Buddha offers or five pillars of peace through submission like Islam offers. Or what the countless, you can't even count the, the number of rules and laws and regulations of legalistic moralism. Do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And hopefully you'll, you'll have a, a sense of, of stress-free living. No, no. This instruction that Jesus gives is totally, totally unique because it is bigger and better than any religion. It's beyond any diet and exercise. It's better than any secrets to success. It's a call to come to Jesus. Who can come? Everyone. Everyone. All who Labor. It is extended to every single person from any country, any continent, any corner or crevice on the entire globe. Come. It doesn't matter. Any circumstance, any situation the person finds themselves in, young or old, you can come. Rich or poor, you can come. If this is the first time or the hundredth time, you can come. Yeah, but I just, I just, I'm just not. Like, I'm just not worthy. I, like, I screwed up. I made some serious mistakes in the past. It's correct. You're not worthy. None of us are. Jesus invites us. The word weary or, or those who labor is an active participle. The Greek, actually, the word implies those who are tired from hard toil. No doubt this speaks about the fact that what? It, it speaks of physical work and labor and exhaustion that comes. And we've all felt like that. Jesus says, I'm the one to refresh. I'm the one to revive you. I'm the one who will rejuvenate you. Weariness of body, weariness in soul needs attention. But it doesn't just stop here. There's more to it. The invitation goes beyond the physically and emotionally exhausted and extends to what? All who are heavy laden. Or the NIV uses the word burdened. The Greek implies those who are loaded down. There's the active participle. This is the passive participle, indicating both the active and passive sides of human, but misery. The active and passive of human hardship and heartache. You and I know that there are many, many things just with the pace that we have today that can weigh us down and make us feel burdened or overburdened. But this description right here is intended to specifically speak of a burden that we all are dragging around. And it is the burden of our own sin. 
You and I know. We have to be honest here. How you doing? Doing good? No, 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 no. We're, we're not going to just breeze by. You and I know that nothing bogs us down. Nothing slows us down. Nothing weighs us down more than the weight of our own sin, of my own sin. Nothing presses so heavy. The psalmist, David, oh, we can so easily relate to him. He's never shy uh, to share his emotions, and he actually described this weight and the agony of his own unrepentant sin. In Psalm chapter 32, he says this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. The King James says it like this, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. You and I know when there's something that's tucked deep away that we don't want anyone else to see or know. And yet we can be blessed in so many areas and there's still something that is still pressing and pushing us. Just can't forgive that person for what they did. I just can't get, I can't get myself out of the way. And it's sin. But Jesus says what? There's no need to be worried and burdened. When we come to Jesus, why he has completely taken care of the biggest problem that we could ever face. The biggest problem. Wendy and I were away last weekend and coming home, driving home. She's a, she's a list maker. She writes lists. One time I found a list of lists, honestly. She was in the first service. I don't think she's in the second. No joke. I found a list of lists. But she, we, we were driving home and she was making a list in preparation because she was hosting a baby shower. And so on this list, and, I, and I'm like, hey, so what are you writing there? And it's like, um, it's uh, cut up the vegetables and, and make the ranch dip and, and mix the punch and like whatever's on a list. For, I've never been to a baby shower, but it's like, it was a long list. And, and we, were, we, we were making plans for that. And as we're driving home, we literally drive into our neighborhood and we're going up the hill to our home. And on the side of the street, we notice that there is a river, a flood of water that is rushing down the, the left side of our street. And I thought, well, that's really odd. It hasn't rained for a while and there's a lot of water flowing down. And as we drove into our driveway, we realized that the water is coming from our house. Hadn't been there for a couple days. We had no idea that somehow a pipe burst somewhere and there is a flood, flood, foot and a half wide, running down the street from our house. We, we get into the house. There's no water in the house. Do you, do you think that on the top of the list, what we need to do is just cut up the vegetables right now? No, no. That's what we need to do here. We got a flood outside. We just got to make some ranch dip, make sure there's little chives on the top. no. No, we got a bigger problem here, honey. Let's put everything else aside. We have no water. We, we got to find out what the problem is. You, you realize what's happening. That is the exact same idea with everyday life. Many people are dragging around burdens of work and worry. And it's literally like you are cutting up vegetables when there is a flood outside. What, what we need to do is give attention to the biggest problem. And Jesus is inviting us 
to him. And Jesus is drawing our attention off of the mundane to matters that matter. That's what Jesus is doing with this plea. Come to me. There's, there's matters of what life and death. There's, there's soul issues. There's, there's matters of, of sin and forgiveness. There's, there's matters of heaven and hell. And the fact that there's an eternity out there and we live with, with the temporal in front of us all of the time. Number one, we know that Jesus invites us, but number two, Jesus promises. He promises. What does he promise? I will give you rest. Unlike the so-called wisdom of this world, we are not, we are not just in need of a soothing solution from the pain of this world. Chew all the gum you want, drink all the tea, light all the candles. We are in need of a savior first and foremost. What we see in scripture. We go back to the very beginning. Go back to the Genesis account. Genesis chapter one and two. And God reveals to us the concept of work and rest as very important. We know that what Jesus, by way of example, he says that he works six days and then he rested the seventh. But thankfully, what? God didn't just continue in rest. Thankfully, what? God's work did not stop at creation. He continued to work not only for our creation, but he continued to work for our redemption. And we see that when God himself, what came to earth in the flesh of a man, his son, Jesus, God sent his own son. God sent himself to do work and accomplish things that you and I could not accomplish. Living a perfect, sinless life dying on the cross, rising from the tomb. And what now Jesus, it says, sits at the right hand of his father. And he continues to intercede for us. But the work of salvation is complete. And Jesus offers rest, real rest, real peace to anyone who trusts him. In the gospel account, Jesus says, come to me. I will give you, and the word is anapao in Greek. It literally is speaking ultimately of the rest of salvation. The rest that God gives is that God gives himself to us. Matthew Henry says it like this. We must come to Jesus Christ as our rest and repose ourselves in him. It's just a collapsing into his arms. It's freeing ourselves from what? That list of things and realizing that he has offered to us and promised us the greatest gift ever, the forgiveness of our own sins. Jesus invites, Jesus promises. Thirdly, Jesus instructs in two ways. He says, take my yoke. And then he says, learn from me. To, to begin with, this whole take my yoke. Now, now if, if you are speaking to those who already are exhausted emotionally, physically, 
those who labor are weary or heavy laden. And now, now to these people, you're saying, okay, on top of that, I want you to take my... It almost sounds at a quick read like one is adding affliction to the afflicted. Like, this isn't really fair. Jesus, these people are already exhausted. And you're like, take this. No, no, no. The relevancy of this passage, the full truth of this text lies in that little two-letter pronoun. I don't want you to miss what Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is what? It is, it is a wooden cross piece that is, that is fastened over the necks of two animals that are attached to a plow or a cart in order to pull them. Go to Mackeyville, watch the Amish people, and you'll see, you'll see yokes there. We don't use necessarily yokes today. Some people do. And, and Jesus is saying, you have a yoke on you already, but I want you to take that one off and I want you to put mine on. Well, what do you mean by that? Galatians is very clear. It talks about this yoke that we have on us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore do not submit again to the yoke of slavery or the yoke of bondage. Jesus is saying that we are yoked in our own sinfulness right now. And there's nothing that we can do in order to bring us rest while we were under our own yoke. Jesus says, I want you instead to try mine on, which will make it easy. It's going to make it different than it's ever been before. Not only does Jesus say, what, take my yoke, but he says, learn from me. How do you can learn from me? Because I am gentle and lowly in heart. He models for us. Think of the life and the ministry, the person of Jesus, God incarnate. He models for us what true humility and submission look like. Now, you can be assured within the context of Scripture, when it comes to Jesus, when one learns from Jesus, when one accepts Jesus, we don't only accept him as our Savior. Yes, he's the one that died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. So we can be saved, but we also accept him as Lord of our life. When I baptize someone, I ask them every time, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord, which means that he reigns and rules in your life. Why Jesus talks with such language in Matthew chapter 16. If anyone wants to follow me, they must deny himself. If he wants to follow me, he must lose himself in verse 24 and verse 25, which means what? This, this is not come to Jesus as you're purchasing the self Help magazine in the checkout line just in case Jesus doesn't cut it. No, it's not that. This, this is not, I'll take, I'll take a little Jesus and a little Buddha and a little Confucius as well. No, no, it's not that. This is, this is not, I'm going to try Jesus on for a while, but you know, it seems like he could be like a little tight. I don't, I don't like the constrained idea. If he doesn't fit well, I'll, I'll just try it. No, it's not that. Jesus says what? You, you come to me and only me. Who comes all of you? From what? From the radical terrorist to the abortion activist. People from the darkest corners of the most evil places in the entire world. They can come to Jesus. Or what? Or those who live in tiny, plush Houses and worship in cute country churches can still come to 
Jesus. Because what I have found is that people who appear to have everything in line, that they have it all figured out from the outside, at times they still know that in the heart of their own heart, that they are being crushed under the weight of their own worrying and wondering and looking for and longing for something more. Just because people have a lot or have been a lot of places or have seen doesn't mean that they're free from the burden of their own sin. A couple weeks ago, we were struck, but I don't think any of us were surprised by the news and the tragic death of Anthony Bourdain, um, a celebrity chef and world traveler, star of CNN Parts Unknown, and we would watch the travel channel and, and CNN and catch up and travel along with Anthony Bourdain. And he, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't, wasn't announced that he was dead for only a few hours and people already began to comment, literally by the thousands on social media, even on Anthony Bourdain's own pages. Our son, Seth, who um, would watch, actually commented, I spoke with him yesterday, I said, can I, can I, can I, I read what you wrote on his own page the very day it was discovered that he committed suicide. Just said, yeah. And he says this, I quote, Anthony Bourdain lived a life we could only dream of, traveling the world and writing and cooking and eating his way through, meeting people from all walks of life and getting paid to do so. A life that many would covet, but apparently not, him. The tragic death of Mr. Bourdain, I'm reminded that the scariest moment in life is recognizing that you've gained everything you've ever wanted and still it not being enough. How our souls thirst for our creator. Run to Jesus and he will give you rest. End quote. You know, that's a very accurate depiction of how much of the world, what? We're just looking for something to grab and to satisfy, and it's not going to. Jesus says what? He invites us, he promises us, he instructs us. Fourthly and finally, he reminds us. Jesus reminds, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Easy and light, just it doesn't seem to like fit with the text. Light and easy, it sounds like a salad dressing. But, but yet, but we, we know as a local church, the message that we have been given. The context that Jesus has placed us in and called us to, by commissioning us to be, what? Tellers and announcers and, 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 and shouters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we, we need to know, we need to know what to say to others who are what? Weary and are heavy laden and are burdened. Well, we need to know even this morning, what do we do in response to this? Because I feel the crushing weights of my own sin. Three things very quickly in closing. Number one, admit it. Just be real. Matt talked last week about taking the mask off. Just be real. How you doing today? Actually, having a really, really tough week. I'd appreciate you praying with me, for me. 
Let's, let's be a church that's real that way. Admit the crushing burden that you are under, often as a result of our own sin. Secondly, what do we do? We give every bit of that burden to Jesus, literally. How do we do that? By praying, literally verbalizing and confessing our sin to the Lord and also to one another. We pray we are demonstrating a trust in Christ's finished work on the cross. Thirdly, we live in light. We we live in light of the promise that Jesus invites us to. We live in light of that promise by living every day in the word of God. You, You begin the day. You, you, you meditate on it. You write a verse down and you commit it to memory and you put it in front of you and you end your day. We live in light of the promises that God gives to us. We are in need of rest. And the only rest that we can ever have is through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church, we studied this past year in home group, the book of Hebrews that speaks of the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ. And in chapter four, it, it talks about this idea of rest. And it says this in verse nine, that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It talks about the fact that just as God experienced the glory of rest after the work of creation, we too are putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus can delight in and abide in, and be refreshed in, and nourished in, and encouraged in the work that God has given to us in his grace, and it will be perfected for us in glory for eternity. May we rest. May we come to Jesus and understand all that he has for us. If, if, you, if you want someone to pray with you, even today, Make sure you come, find me, find any one of the pastors, any one of the elders. Make sure you don't leave this morning without tapping someone and saying, I need a reminder that I'm not alone in this. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God will give you the rest that we need as we are faithful to the call of the gospel. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word to us this morning. I would ask, Lord, that you would allow it to continue to burn in our hearts and our minds for the rest of this day, for the rest of this week and month and year. Father, we we confess and, and we admit that we try to solve things on our own and it just increases the pressing, crushing weight. Father, today, we just, we just want to leave it at your feet. We want, Lord, to take the yoke of our own sin off and put your yoke of sinlessness on. Trust you to forgive us. We make mistakes and when we sin, may we be quick to confess and admit, ask for forgiveness, knowing the promise that you do forgive and that you love us. Thank you for that. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.